pastor here giving us the word. It's going to be awesome. <clears throat> but I also, I felt uh, that before uh, he comes and speaks to us, I want us to take some moment and stand up and pray this morning. Can we, can we do that? You know, um, uh, the Bible does say that uh, what Jesus said, that my house shall be called a house of prayer. And, and, and I heard that you guys had a great a week of prayer and fasting, the three nights here, how many were able to come? I tell you, prayer changes everything. And, and here's the thing about prayer is that the prayers you pray today don't stop there. If you go out to the book of Revelation, if there's something that inspires me to pray all the time is when I see that verse in Revelation towards the end, where the Bible says that on the throne of God, that there is this um, uh, continual praise and offering that just kind of bubbles up in God's throne, around God's throne. And he says, that's all the prayers of the saints. So so our prayers have an eternal component to it. And so I think we're not just saying words or, uh, or imagining things. We're proclaiming great things in the spiritual realm. And we can call things that are not as though they are. Amen? And so it's so important as a church that we become people of prayer because that's the label Christ put on his church. And I'm so honored. I was glad that even when I'm not there, the church is still praying. And I'm just proud of all of you who showed up after work, continue to pray. But let, let's not stop there. I tell you, when you're so in prayer, you have the ability that God has given us to have an impact that goes beyond us and goes to other generations. If you could sow into future generations, you could do it now. That's why we value prayer in this church. We pray all the time. Every opportunity we have to pray, we pray. And right now, I just feel that we pray for for families. uh, And families get attacked by the enemy a lot. But I want us to join hands together and pray for families. I'm going to lead us in prayer. But you, uh, right there, don't be quiet. Start praying. Praying in the Holy Ghost. Pray for your family. Cover your family in prayer today. Father, we love you. Oh, I'm going to give you a moment to raise your voice before I leave so everyone can pray in this place. Father, we thank you for your presence, oh God. Lord, we don't take it lightly that we can come in your presence this morning, oh God, and that we can call on your name. You said, oh God, when we call on you, that you will answer us and you will show us great and mighty things, even things that are unknown to us, God. And Father, this morning we stand as a family, a family of God, a family of believers, oh God. But Lord, we thank you, though, that we have the privilege, oh God, to have an audience with you today and bring our petition, bring our prayer, bring those deep things from our hearts and pour them to your throne. Not a God that has deaf ears, O God, but a God who listens to the prayers of the righteous. Your word says that your ears are set to hear the prayers of the righteous. And this morning we pray for families, every family represented here, O God. Lord, we know that these are tough times for families, that that institution of family is being challenged and, and, and attacked in every direction. But God, we know that you are stronger. We know that you are mighty. We know that you are stronger, oh God. You are greater than any other, oh God. Lord, we pray in the name of Jesus for a shelter of protection over every family in this place. Husbands and wives, oh God, and children and grandchildren and uncles and aunts. We pray for those who do not know you, God, in these times, uh, uh, in these last days, oh God, that they will come to a 
place of realization of faith in Jesus Christ. We call the backslider back into the kingdom. We ask in the name of Jesus that our families are serving you, O God. We pray for blessings on health. We pray for blessings on health, those that are needing healing in our family. We ask that your spirit will touch and bring healing to the, to the sick bodies, O God. We pray for finances of our families, that windows of heaven will be open over them, O God. And we thank you, Lord, today, God, that you will pour our blessings on every family, every household, we pray, in the name of Jesus. We love you, we honor you, and we thank you that you're a God who hears prayers and a God who answers prayers. And today we give you glory and honor in your house in the name of Jesus. And now let's just give him praise in the house. Glorify his name, for he is worthy. Thank you, Lord. We magnify you, Jesus. We honor your name, O God. We applaud you with our praise, O God, in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Wow. How many are going to believe more? You, we don't, hey amen, believe more, call, call more, contend for more. Don't let the enemy win. You win because Jesus is, is for you. Amen? Amen. So, uh, and with that, I'm going to invite our speaker, Dr. Jerry David, our founding pastor. Come on, welcome him. Thank you. You've got a great pastor. And uh, don't listen to any of his lies about wanting to be in Lincoln. He wanted to be away from eight children. We were all together in the same house. I've got a nice home, but I was only back home for three days, and it was time to get on a plane and leave. <laughs> so we took off on Friday morning. Uh, it's good to be with you again today. In summertime, it's always a little bit of people in and out and people going on vacation and all that. Everybody needs their rest, so I'm glad to see that people are taking their rest. And uh, I hope you get some time uh, this uh, season, this summer, to do the same thing and just take a little break. But if you are in town, don't take a break from church, that's for sure. Don't take a break from Jesus. I, I met people, and it's not any of you people, uh, certainly not, because you're spiritual and you love the Lord. But I've had people in my ministry over the years, and they stay home, and what are you doing? Oh, we, we were on vacation from, from just unplugged. Listen, even when I'm on vacation somewhere, I find a church to go worship in. I mean, that's an hour and a half or two hours out of your day. And you just have to lift Jesus up, you know, and it's a discipline. It's a, but it's more than a discipline. It's a love, and I love the Lord, love being with God's people wherever they're at. All right, I want you to turn your Bibles this morning to John chapter 1, verse 40. John 1, uh, verse 40. We're going to put the uh, verse up here on the screen for you in a second. But it, come with me to this place. We're going to hang out here this morning for a little while. And I want to talk to you this morning about being blessed, or even better said, about living well in the background or in the shadow. How to live well in the shadow. And John 1.40 says this, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. So Andrew here is identified as Peter's brother. Was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. 
John the Baptist, if you remember the story right at the beginning of the book of John, had begun to declare, Behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sins of the world. And so Andrew is one of two who heard what he was saying. And Andrew listened. He identified himself as, he's identified as the brother of Peter. And the first thing, not the second thing, the first thing that Andrew did, the very first thing that Andrew accomplished in verse 41, the first thing Andrew did, it says, was find his brother Simon Peter and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he, now watch this, he brought him to Jesus. Oh, you didn't hear what I said. He brought him. That's the whole message. He brought him to Jesus. Every time we see Andrew, he is bringing someone to Jesus. There was a man named Andrew. Could have been a woman named Andrea, if we want to be culturally sensitive today. And the most significant thing that we know about Andrew is that he brought someone to Jesus. And in fact, about every time his name is mentioned in the Bible, and it's not mentioned very often, we find him bringing someone to Jesus every time. If you got that, you've got the whole message this morning. He was always bringing someone to Jesus. That's the message right there. But interestingly... I find it very interesting. He's identified as the brother of Peter. The brother of Simon Peter. The Bible talks a lot about siblings and families. And Pastor Solo prayed this morning about families. Before uh, we're done here this morning, we're going to pray again. But he, he talk, it talks a lot in the Bible about brothers and sisters and, 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 and all that. Uh, come on. Cain had a brother named... Yeah, see, there you go. Uh, 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 Mary had a sister named... You're all doing pretty good on Jeopardy this morning. This is good. (laughs) What's interesting is that over and over again, when we see these couplets... uh, By the way, how many know Moses' brother's name? Aaron, yeah, see. And his sister? There you go. It's interesting that when brothers and brothers or brothers and sisters or sisters and sisters are mentioned... One in the Bible is usually more prominent than the other. This man's name is Andrew, and he's quickly identified in the Bible as Simon Peter's brother. Everyone knows Peter. Peter was the big dog. Peter was the star. Peter, I mean, was a rock star in his day. I don't even know how young these men were, but I don't think they were much older than maybe slightly out of their teens. They were... Very young. Almost every scene that he is in, Peter rises up for one reason or another. Sometimes even for the wrong reason. But for whatever reason, it's always Peter. And he rises up almost in every scene that he's in. He becomes a prominent figure in the New Testament church. In fact, on the day of Pentecost, when the church was birthed in Acts chapter 2, it's Peter who takes center stage... If it had not been for Peter in the earth realm, really, 
3,000 people would not have been saved that day. But if it had not been for Andrew, Peter wouldn't have been saved. And this is it. The Bible says when he made the decision, Andrew, to follow Jesus, the first thing that he did, the first thing he did, found his brother, Peter, and brought him to Jesus. Andrew, you you need to know something about him. His name is unique. His name is Andrew. And the unique thing about that name, Andrew, is that it is not a Hebrew name. It's not a Israeli name. It is a Greek name. He is a Jew, a Hebrew, but for some reason, he has been given a Greek name. How many have a different name in here this morning? I mean, it's... what Jasper. Where's that from? What's that? Ah, the stone. Yeah, yeah. Anybody else? Ethnic? I know Obasi. That's a Nigerian name. It means what? God. Oh, glory, hallelujah. (laughs) You give this man some honor next time he walks by you. I want to see some bowing and kneeling around here. Obasi. Nigerian. Means God. That's a Nigerian name. Listen, if he goes to Nigeria... That name would be easily recognizable. It's in that culture. But he takes that name down to Mississippi. They're going to say, say what? (laughs) He has a name from another culture. And that's what I want you to see about Andrew. In fact, pin that right there and we'll come back to that one. Just like Obasi, he's of one tribe or one group. And Andrew's parents gave him a name from another ethnicity, from another culture. They gave him a Greek name. Don't forget that now. For some reason, his parents had some sensitivity, listen, to the multicultural dynamic of that time. He is Hebrew, he is Jewish, but he receives for himself a Greek name. But this man was not so much identified by, by with any Greekness. He was identified most prominently as the brother of Simon. In other words, he lived in the shadow of his brother. Every time the disciples are listed in the Bible, Peter's name is almost always first. Judas's name is last. Peter's name is first. And, and usually Andrew is about fourth one down. Peter, James, John, Andrew. And so he lived in the shadow of his brother, Simon. And yet Andrew is the first disciple who followed Jesus. He was the first called, not Peter. Andrew was the first one called. He's the first disciple to follow Jesus, and yet he is never listed in the Bible in first in line. His name was Andrew. He lived in the shadow of his brother, Peter. He always lived in the background. He lived in the, that background. He was a, listen, it's like this. He was a backup singer. He was never the star. He was never the soloist. He was never the headliner. He lived his life behind someone else. He was on the worship team, but he never led the worship. He lived in the background. He was destined to support everyone else. He never got a solo. He never got a record deal. And yet he sang on records 
with other folks who became stars. Do you understand the, the analogy? You're getting this? Are you getting this? He lived in the background. Can you imagine what it's like to live your whole life in the shadow? Can you imagine living your life always backing someone else up? You're close to the star, but you're never the star. You're close to the headliner, but you're never the headliner. You sing on your their records, but your name never gets called. You live your life as a backup singer. You live your life in the shadow of someone else. 20 feet from stardom. Have you ever heard of Darlene Love or Mary Clayton? Great singers, great musicians, but never the number one star. They could be heard to this day singing on songs and records that were number one by someone else. The theme, there, there was a documentary. The theme of the documentary, and uh, on them and a few others, was, uh, I think it was called, Always 20 Feet from Stardom. They lived their lives in the background. I got a question for you. What if you knew right now that you would never be a star? You're never going to preach up here. You're never going to be a star. I'm kidding with you, you know. What if you knew right now, it's a good question, you would spend your life, your whole life, pushing to the front and center someone else? What if you knew right now that with all the dreams that you have, All the dreams you've ever had, you would never be number one. With the opportunities that you think you've had, with the preparation you think you have, and yet someone tells you up front, you're never going to get there to the startup. How far would you go if you remained in the background for the rest of your life? That's the life of Andrew. Because he spent his life living well, being blessed in the background, in the shadow. Now watch this. The first time that we see him, he brings his brother to Jesus. Let's see how many lessons we can learn from this man. He gets saved, and the Bible says the first thing that he did, the very first thought in his mind was find his brother and bring him to Jesus. He found his brother, told his brother about Jesus. Peter gets saved, and Peter becomes the star. Andrew did nothing spectacular in the earth realm except bring someone to Jesus. He never preached a sermon, never held a revival, never did any single miracles by himself. He's always seen in relationship to someone else and always without fail in relationship to his brother. His big brother, his older brother. And yet the Bible says that the first thing Andrew did, he brought his brother to Jesus. Stop right there. The opening scene on the life of Andrew is we find him accepting Christ and then bringing his brother. He determined to follow Jesus and following Jesus and in the following of Jesus, the first thing he did was go out and get his brother. All right, now here's the lesson. How concerned are you that your family is saved? Let's just start right there. The first thing that came to his mind was his brother. 
The first response that he did, and the Bible suggests, by the way, that he had to go and get him. He, it wasn't just right there. He had to go and find him. That, that, he just left Jesus. He got saved, left Jesus, and went and found the brother. And he searched him out, and he said, come on, man. We found the Messiah. We've got the Messiah, and I, you need to meet him. How concerned are you that people in your home are saved? Many of you will leave here today, praise God, and you'll go back into homes where... Someone in that family is unsaved. Do you care? I was just going to warn you ahead of time, we're going into the deep end of the pool this morning for a little bit. Stay with me. It's going to be a rough one. Because Andrew raises an amazing challenge to us. He refused to keep Jesus to himself. He refused First thing he did, not only witness to somebody, he witnessed to his brother. How much witnessing do you do in the home? How obvious is it in your household, in your family, whatever that family dynamic is, how obvious is it that you're a child of God or a son or a daughter of God? How obvious is it? How aggressive, how intentionally do you witness at home? Or do you lay Jesus down at the doorstep of your home and then do your thing in the home and then pick him up on the way back out? How deeply are you concerned that the people you say you love the most, the people in your home or in your family, are saved? That's a rough one. What about your son? What about your daughter? Does it matter? And if all the other things that you encourage your children to do, and good parents, go to school, play a sport or two, learn a musical instrument, get a degree, get a good job, make a success of yourself. How upfront are you where you would say, baby, if you don't get Jesus, you don't get anything? How overt, how intentional, how determined are you that the folks in your household get saved? The first thing that Andrew did, he went and got his brother. He went to his own. Paul prays in the book of Romans, and he says, My heart's desire, watch, and my prayer for Israel, my people, in other words, is that they might be saved. Are you praying for that unsaved person in your home? I told you it's going to be a rough one. It's about to get worse for just a few moments. Are you at least praying for them? All right, let's try it a different way. Every day, every day, people all over the world are going to hell every day. Every second of every day, people are going to hell. Somebody is intentionally rejecting Jesus, and people are going to hell. You didn't hear me. People are going to hell, and some folks don't give a damn. Now, some of you are more upset with my second sentence than you were with my first sentence. People are going to hell. The first thing that he did, he went and got his brother. 
It's as though he didn't want to get to heaven and look around and not see big brother. Think about that. Who will be in heaven because of you? Who will be there to greet you when you get there or you to greet them when they get there because of what you did? When you get, if you get to heaven, will you look around at anybody who's there because of your testimony? There because of your life? There because of your commitment? There because of your walk? Will there be anybody in heaven who's there because of you? And will you painfully and regretfully and eternally realize part of your family is in the other place? And the reason they are there is because they did not see the testimony or the witness in you. All right, I told you it's going to be rough. Let's move on. The second time you see him is in John chapter 6, verse 8. Watch this one. Here's the scene. Many of you know the scene. Jesus has been preaching and ministering on the side of the hill, and they count about 5,000 people that are there. And by the way, if they counted 5,000 in that culture and in that day, that usually meant there was only 5,000 men. So just assuming that there was as many women as men, you've got 10,000, and then you've got the children on top of that. And we know there was children because that's where the story leads to here in a second. And, 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 and uh, it, it's all, all this big crowd that's out there, this huge, huge crowd, and it's getting close to evening time. People are getting restless. And so someone comes to Jesus and says, now, now look at here, Jesus. Look at here, Reverend. Look at here, Rabbi and teacher. You've been preaching for a long time. I'm going to go a little bit here this morning. And there are folk getting hungry. And so you better feed these people. Feed them or let them go home. Now look at what it says here. Turn to the next verse, please. John chapter 6, verse 8. And another of his disciples, Andrew, who's Andrew? Simon's Peter, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. And he says in the next verse, here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? Now, combining the story here and also over in Mark where it's also related, the the idea, Jesus says, go and buy some food. And when he heard of the problem, and they say, we have no money to buy any food. And he says, okay, then go and see if anybody has anything at all. And the text implies... Honestly, when you read them both, that the only one going and seeing about this is Andrew. And he goes among the crowd, and he's working his way around, the, and he finds this little boy with a Happy Meal. And he brings this little boy with the Happy Meal and says, Look here, Jesus, I found a boy, and here's what he's got. He's got five small barley loaves and two small fish. In today's language, He's got a couple of fish sandwiches and a few biscuits left over. How far will they go among so many? One version says he, he brought the boy to Jesus. Here's the number two thing you've got to see. Andrew brought a child to Jesus with his sardines and crackers. Watch this. He brings a child. 
Now stop right there. How concerned are you about your children? He started with his brother, but here he's bringing a child. Let me tell you something. (laughs) I'm going to give you a parenting one-on-one right now. If they are old enough to understand Jay-Z and Beyonce, they are old enough to understand Jesus. I've had parents tell me, well, they're not old enough yet. Listen, if they're old enough to figure out, and most two-year-olds can figure out how to do a smartphone, they're old enough to understand the concept of Jesus. Come on, amen? My stars. Well, well, Pastor, they're too young. They ain't too young to quote Jay-Z or Beyonce, and God knows what they're saying. Well, he's a child. Listen, the word here is the same word we get pediatric from. He's a little kid, and he brings this little kid to Jesus. How concerned are you? But let's go another way. When do you start talking to your kids about Jesus, some of you younger parents? This is just a little boy. What kind of atmosphere? You're in control of it, parents. What kind of atmosphere do you create in that home? What kind of priorities do you serve? What kind of books do you give them to read? What kind of language do you talk in front of them? (laughs) We could stay for that one a while. What kind of climate do you create in that home for your children when they are still children? He brought a child to Jesus. Now, Now watch this. He brought the child with little faith. Listen to the text. Andrew says, here's what this boy has, but it's just five biscuits, two small fish, and what? And and Andrew goes on, he says, but how far will that go among all these people? He was not a man of great faith. Can I just give you this? He, He was just like you and me. He really was. He's sort of walking it and trying to journey it and all that. But his question is, what can we do with this little amount? With this crowd of over 5,000 folks plus, we don't have enough. We got a little boy here with a happy meal, but we don't have enough. We found something, but that which we have found is not enough. Listen to me. God only steps in when there's not enough. That's only when he shows up. As long as you feel you've got the resources, you have the tools, you have the smarts, you have the education, you have the attitude and whatever else you think you have, as long as you have enough by yourself, God will say, go ahead and go do your thing by yourself. Every single time. But when he steps in, it's only when there's not enough. When you realize that what you have is not enough to get you where you ought to be. When you realize that what you have is not enough for you to be who you ought to be. When I'm here to tell you, if you give him what you have, little becomes much when you place it in the hands of Jesus. Every single time. And so this little boy, listen. Put it in the hands of Jesus. And Jesus begins to break it. And then break it. And then break it. And break it. And he broke bread and got bread from bread. And broke the fish and got fish from fish. Because when you put it in the hands of God, he multiplies by God math and gets something out of nothing. He gets much out of little. Once you realize you don't have enough, listen... Give him whatever you have right now and use whatever is in your hand and put it in his hand and watch God do a miracle in your life. Every single time he'll do that. You don't have as much education as you think you have. 
But if you put what you have (laughs) in his hand, he will expand your mind. Come on. And you'll start confounding folks by the way you think and the way you talk. You'll start a business without an MBA. Because he expands what you do have. You have heart. You have a dream. You have a goal. And he touches what you do have, even when it's not enough according to the world's standard. When you put a little in God's hand, he makes much out of it. And I am telling you, when he does it, a miracle is on its way right there for you. He was not a man of great faith, but he was a man of faith. Oh, you missed that. He was not a man of great faith, but he was a man of faith. Sounds like the disciples. Lord, we believe, but help our unbelief. Lord, we got faith, but increase our faith. Listen, God brought some of you here today just to increase your faith. God brought some of you here this morning to tell you that if you realize you don't have enough, then you're in really good shape. That's when God steps in when it's not enough. And here's the last thing, then we're gone from here. He shows up in John chapter 12. Put this up, would you? John chapter 12, verse 20. Watch this. Now, there were among some Greeks, uh, some Greeks among those, rather, who went up to worship at the festival. And they came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, which, by the way, Philip is also a Greek name, with a request. Sir, they said, we, we would like to see Jesus. Put the next verse. Go to the next verse. Now, now watch this. Philip told Andrew, and sequentially, Andrew and Philip told Jesus. One version says it this way. Philip and Andrew brought the Greeks to Jesus. Brought him to Jesus. Now listen to me. His mama and his daddy gave him a Greek name. Years later, years later, Here comes a crowd, not from Israel, (laughs) but from Greece. And they touch the life of a man who they can relate to, relate to them, because Jesus, this is Jesus, his life has already been cross-cultural. And God ordained that down the road this man Andrew who probably wondered why did my folks give me this kind of name he now becomes a point of contact with those from his ethnic background Greekdom And he's the one who brings these folks. Jesus. Oh, oh, you didn't even get that. 
You'd be up running an aisle if you got that one. He brings them to Jesus. The book of Ephesians says this. Oh, God, I love your word. Listen, listen. It says, God foreknew you. It says, you are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. Watch, for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we should walk in them. You missed that. God says, Jerry, I created you. I birthed you. I shaped your life so that your life, walking down a road, walking down a path, watch this, and God says, positioned along that road that honors me, I have placed certain works, and they are down the road, things for you to do that will honor me one day, and they're down the road, and you don't even see them yet, but they're down the road, and they're coming your way. But I didn't put them there as an afterthought, Jerry. But before the foundations of the world were laid, God knew that these Greeks would one day come in contact with this little Jewish man named Andrew. And because of that connection, God prepared the past. God created a blessing for the future. And God brought him into contact with this holy hookup and that God had prepared even from the foundations of the world. Listen closely to me now. Listen. God has prepared some folks on your job and in your neighborhood and in your life who need to hear the word of the Lord. Two amens and a grunt and an oh me. And God did not, you got to know this about God. He did not just randomly allow you to pick the job you've got. He did not randomly pick the neighborhood you live in. He did not randomly pick your neighbor. He did not randomly put you in the family you're in. God placed you there. God put you in that seat. God put you behind that desk. God put you in that school. God put you on that job. God put you in that position because he knew when you came to that place, there would be somebody in that context that needs to hear the word of God from your lips, needs the introduction through your life and through your testimony, needs to be connected to Jesus. you get this? God has already prepared 
some folk in your life, you've not met them yet. They're down the road. And then you're going to get the opportunity one day, if you're sensitive enough to it, to connect them to Jesus, to introduce them to Jesus, to be another Andrew or another Andrea. (laughs) And tell somebody about the goodness of the Lord. You all messed up coming to church today. Mark my word right now. Listen to me. I'm prophesying to you with my eyes open. God is going to bring your life into context, into connection with some man, some woman, some boy, some girl who come like the Greeks, sincere seekers, and God will give you the discernment to be sensitive to sincere seekers And God will place someone in your life. Hear me today, I'm telling you. God has placed someone in your life after today that some of them you will now see, perhaps for the very first time. Some of them you will meet, perhaps for the very first time. Some have been there, but now you will look at them in a different way for the very first time because I'm telling you there's an Andrew in you. There's an Andrew in you. There's an Andrea in you, if you want. There's a call of God on your life to be an instrument to leading someone to the Christ you say you follow. You cannot lead them where you've not been. And so God saved you. Some of you, listen, he saved as a child, as a boy. Some of you he saved as a young boy or a young girl. Listen, I have been walking with Christ now. I counted it up last night. 55 years. I'm 63 right now. And I met the Lord when I was 8 years old. And 55 years ago, I don't know why, but God prepared me to walk down the road those 55 years so that I could come today and tell you there's an Andrew inside of you. Listen, even as I'm speaking this morning, all over this room, watch God, watch God, watch God what He's going to do. God is bringing someone right there while you're sitting there to your mind right now. Could be a brother, could be a sister, a mother or a father, a child, a relative, could be a co-worker, could be a neighbor. All over this room, God's flashing pictures of people in your face. He's flashing pictures. And that person's name and their life and their heart is in your spirit. And your name, listen, your name may never get called. There may never be an award given to you. You may never ever achieve notoriety. Or leading a... You may never achieve stardom for leading that person to the Lord. You'll probably not get a plaque. You'll not get a gold star on your lapel for being the sole winner of the day. You'll be in the background. But if Andrew tells us anything, he tells us you can live your life well in the background. You can live your life well. You can be blessed in the shadow. Watch this. The last time we see Andrew's name called, the last time his name is called is in Acts chapter 1, 
when, when, when the, call, the roll call of the people who are in the upper room on the day of Pentecost. By the way, you don't need to turn to it, but here's the roll call. I'll give it to you. It starts with Peter, John, James, and then there's our boy, Andrew. That's the last name his, time, his name is called in the whole Bible. But watch this. When you read that the apostles did miracles all through the book of Acts, he's in that number. When you read that it says the disciples turned the world upside down, he's in that number. They never call his name again. He's a background player. He's in the shadows. He's behind someone else. But he's in that number. Here's a biggie. I've always wondered how this dynamic worked out because I know preachers. I live in this world. After they get filled with the Holy Spirit and they come walking down the stairs out of the upper room. Peter. There he is again. Peter. It's always Peter. (laughs) He stands up and preaches and 3,000 plus people get saved. And Andrew had prayed just like Peter prayed. Andrew had gotten filled with the Spirit just like Peter had gotten filled with the Spirit. He spoke with tongues just like Peter did. He had a witness of Jesus like just like Peter did. He spoke of the things of God just like Peter did. And yet his name was never called again. Never hear about him. He's in the background. But he had this God-given understanding. God-given preparation. God-given ordination to bring people to Jesus. That's what he did. Maybe I'm turning out more like my father-in-law, Paul Stern, than I thought I was going to. But as Paul Stern got older, do you know what became his priority more than ever before? It wasn't preaching. It wasn't building churches. You talk about it all the time. Just If you ask him, what should I do? Go get, lead somebody to Jesus. Go get somebody and lead him to the Lord. Connect him to Jesus. That's all he thought about. Maybe... Maybe I'm going to die. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But I'll tell you what, it's a burden. Why did you pray this week? You want God to move. You want God to stir you. Stir you to what? Good works. What kind of good works? Connecting people to Jesus Christ everywhere you go. You've been called. Oh, look at it. Look at it. Put it aside. Put it away. You may never be the star. It's never going to happen. You're going to be the background. You're going to be in the shadows. You're going to be 20 feet from stardom the rest of your life, perhaps. But there's an Andrew inside of each one of us that needs to come out. For your family's sake, 
for your children's sake and for whoever else God puts across your path. Janice, come on up. I don't know what about you, but I'm not even sure how to end the thing. I'm early. I could go another 20 minutes and I won't get in trouble. But I think that we need to, I think we need to pray. And I think what we need to do in praying is rededicate our lives. Rededicate our minds and our hearts. Rededicate our thinking. Listen, please, boy, if you got in here and you were listening to this and you're just all condemned and everything and you're... That, this is not a message of condemnation. This is a message that God has you right where he wants you. You just got to get a little bold and get going and bring your brother to Jesus. Bring your child of Jesus. Do what you've got to do. Set the tone. Set the atmosphere in your home. And even when you go to work tomorrow, I'm just praying that you're going to see the people you work with in a whole new different light. It's not that uh, nobody's telling you to pass tracks out. That, uh, Andrew didn't do that. He just was available and sensitive to those that were seeking, that those that needed, where there needed to be a miracle, and he was just the conduit. He made the connection. He never even got single billing. Every time he, they use his name in the Bible, he's with someone else. Most times it's Andrew brother of Simon Peter. I, I would have gone after, if I was Andrew, I would have gone after the author of those books and said, no, no wait just here a second. Forget Simon Peter. He had nothing to do with me. <laughs> it was always Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. My goodness. Come on, amen. But get rid of all that mess. Just know God's got his hand on you. He foreknew you. He foreordained you with plan and purpose to do good works. Come on. Amen? Stand with me. Pastor, would you come and just pray for us? Yes, and I'm done. I'm done. Oh.